Hello, welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. I'm Alice Arnold. I know we've had a little a little holiday while we recovered from the Olivier Awards, but we're back now with our new series and our first guest, oh, she's a great one, it's Bonnie Langford. For this week's podcast, I'm in the studio with a British legend of the stage. I'm going to refer to her as... But you are. This is... I am talking (laughs) about... Bonnie Langford, who started out her career as a babe in arms, literally, six months old. Uh, One opportunity knocks when you were six. Mm -hmm. Many of us remember opportunity knocks. And then you went on to star in Just William, and then you went to Broadway as a child, which I want to ask you about later, because that's fascinating. You've also more recently, of course, starred in EastEnders, and of course, many, many, many roles in musical theatre. Your CV is so long it wouldn't fit in the studio, actually. If we rolled it out... Like it was on a loo roll like or something. An, yeah, like, those, like the puppy dogs, yeah. you know, with the, with yeah, the loo the roll. <laughs> one. It would go out of the door. But you're here to speak to I'm us today. I'm a legend in my own lunchtime. You are. You definitely are. Um, you've had a most... Inc- are having the yeah. most incredible career. But you're in the studio now with me to talk about the latest thing you're doing, which is 9 to 5, the musical. Mm. Now, you did this production before. This is on at the Savoy Theatre mm. at the moment, mm. but it started in 2012, I think it was. It did, yes. At the it Manchester was, Opera House. Yeah, it was on tour. It did It did quite quite an extensive UK tour. And I did it then, um, and I wasn't expecting to do it again. And I was in um, 42nd Street in London just recently at the uh, Theatre Drury Lane. And they were doing this again and I became available and I ended up doing it again because it was in London. And uh, um, it's just, it's a fun show. It, I mean, it's funny that you say 9 to 5, the musical, because when I was interviewed when I did this before, when it started in Manchester, I went up to do an interview and somebody said to me, oh, when, you know, what, what was your last 9 to 5 job? And I suddenly at that point realised I'd actually never had a 9 to 5 job, which is... Terrible, actually. I said I'm completely unqualified to do this job. But um, no, but, you know, it just actually struck me. I have never done a, what one would call a proper job. Uh, but it just, is a proper job. It know. just means that you've never been resting, Bonnie. Well, I've been you very see, lucky. Yeah. I have been very, very lucky. Because lots of actors you could talk to who have indeed done nine to five jobs yes. when they haven't been Yes. It, well, isn't it stupid that um, people say it's resting when you're not working? Well, it's, it's actually the time you work the hardest, yeah. really. And we're all hustlers, we're all kind of working to the next job and this is probably why we, you know, I've just been so lucky that things have kept going for me but I also, I keep working, I keep busy, um, sometimes too much. Um, There are times when I probably should spend some time, quiet time but I always feel that if there's something there put in front of me and I can't find a good enough reason not to do it, I end up doing it. <laughs> and then I work out why. <laughs> I don't see you as someone who, you know, sticks their feet up on the sofa and watches no. daytime telly. That's, no, although lately I'm rather enjoying Escape to the Country. I have to say, I realise I have become one of those people. But yes, so I have, in fact, almost escaped to the country. If I'm not doing anything else during the day and I'm just sort of at home doing what I have to do, I know that that's my cue to get ready. I need to go into work soon. So it's sort of my guilty mm. pleasure before going to work. But yeah, I'm, I'm not really. Um, much of a of a potterer or a sitter arounder too much, mm. and uh, so nine to five. I'm uh, I did the tour in 2012, and um, it seemed that now seemed actually it sort of really has sort of found its place because it's very much sort of following on from the whole Me Too campaign. Um, they said 
<laughs> hilariously that they were putting it in a period of the 80s. They were updating it to 1980 um, so that it's more period. And I'm like, oh, goodness me. <laughs> I think I've still got clothes that were from the 1980s. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I'm the only one who does. No, Brian does as well. But, you know, so there is that that, that The others thing. weren't born. The rest no, of the, the girls others weren't, weren't even born. born. No. no, no. It's just, it's some of it's quite hilarious how, you know, we have quite a young company and they really haven't got a clue about any any of it really um but it it does it does sort of set it in its period we've got a very good set that's using lots of um computer screens and and graphics at the back which which you know is an in an innovative way of being able to sort of use technology as such um but really it's it's found its feet because it's very much about women in the workplace trying to sort of be heard and valued the same as men. Well, there's a big talk about equal pay. Well, I mean, mm. what have the arguments been recently about equal pay? And Absolutely. then you think, well, hang on a minute, this was written yes, in the 80s, and now was. we've got, we've, we're 40 years on, and where have we got? It, well, we're only able to talk about it more. That's probably it more. And it does happen, but it's, yes, we're not that much further down the line. But that's it. Jane Fonda, um, she actually commissioned the film to be written because she wanted to be able to get a women's message across and decided at that point that the best way to do it was through comedy. So I think what also appeals at this point is that the show is very much a comedy. It's just trying to be light-hearted. We don't talk about anything that's (laughs) anything. We don't talk about anything except the fact that these women are in a workplace where they're not treated equally and the boss, who is this male chauvinist, um, is behaving very badly and cooking the books, all sorts of things like that, and and he deserves his comeuppance and they make sure it happens. So it's, it's a very simplistic way of of getting a message across and it's funny it's just halfway through it just turns to pure farce mm. and, oh, it and, is. and it then is. you it's just like a pantomime it is it, it is. really is you just sort of go okay right i'll go with this now yeah. and and it's just a hilarious night out and you know i think people like the idea of just coming to the theater and and laughing everything you know sometimes it's just too serious and we just have to mm. just have a bit of a laugh and 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 enjoy it it's very colorful and loud dolly dolly's um dolly partner's written so the 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 title song nine to five obviously is an absolute classic we all know it it's an earworm we can't get out of our ears once we hear it um and backwards barbie she actually did write before and um she recorded on an album before um because it's sort of about her it's about her life um and that is sung by dora lee rhodes who is the character that dolly played in the film but other than that, all the songs have been written specifically for this show. And your part in this, now you said they... It's random. Let's say they begged you to do it because they did beg you to do it because <laughs> you were the only person who could possibly do what you do well, in what this happened? show. So, and that's absolutely true. I couldn't think of anyone else who could do what you did. When I, well, when I saw it, I just thought... want to, actually. <laughs> well, I, well, how would they ever find somebody else who could do what you do? Because... You basically you're the you're the the PA with the hair up in the bun and yes. you know very 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 austere and then and then you're not no that well person. she has this fantasy you see um, I play Ros Keith who is the uh, office administrator or I think Mr Hart's administrative assistant I think I get described as I'm not really quite sure what that is because she very rarely goes in the she office she doesn't do a lot of administrating she doesn't do much administrating she <laughs> no. walks around with a clipboard and that's about yeah. it anyway uh, so <laughs> yes but she has this fantasy that she uh, is in love with Mr. Hart, the uh, horrible boss, and the fantasy is is that she thinks that he is in love with her and that all the looks that he's giving her are subliminally telling her that he is in love with her. She is deluded. I think she goes home at five o'clock 
and talks to her cats. But uh, <laughs> apart from that, uh, and so, you know, when... But we do when play out the fantasy We play out stage. the fantasy quite graphically. The point anyway. <laughs> of all this is that um, for somebody... It, I don't know how quite how to put it. Of a certain age. All right. Okay, is do that. that. So I yeah. say it like that. I get that but, a lot. I get, you know, yeah, all your, of course your you age do. and but, all your I mean, your I'm, age. I'm a little bit older than you, but yeah. I can hardly get out of bed in the morning. Well, I'm a bit like that. And you are still doing more than the splits. I mean, yeah. the angle's bigger than that. Mm. And... You are incredibly fit, incredibly sylph-like. I mean, well, you I look try. like you've got the body of a 30-year-old. Well, I don't know about so that, but I'm you... getting it all wrinkled. But uh-huh. um, I, I, well, I do, I, I'm fine when I'm doing the show, but I do find that by the end of the week, the, last night I actually, <laughs> I got an Uber home and I got out the Uber and I said, um, I, thought, I said to my daughter, I said, I bet they think I'm kind of drunk or something because I get out and I go, oh, 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 you know, and I kind of have to pull my leg because I do seize up. I'm I do gl- seize well, I'm up sort a bit. Of glad so, to hear it yeah, because I otherwise you would be superhuman. Yeah, I no, mean, I'm not. I am very much human, and I do actually. Yeah, I have, but I do. I have. I mean, I've. You know, I've always. Danced, I know you've danced I've all always your life, but done. I do my yoga. I do my Pilates if I can, and right. I do find that actually that helps. This the the thing about doing this show is that it the, the difficulty is is that I don't do anything until I mean I sort of wander on I do a couple of little scenes and then I do this massive scene yes. and it's a bit like being Usain Bolt coming out of those starting blocks and just hitting a wall. That's what's hard is the fact that sort of from nowhere so I spend a lot of time in the first act in the wings trying to sort of keep warm, get going, stretch so that yeah. when I actually go on there it's well, not too you, much of a shock. Otherwise, you would do yourself an injury. Yes. If you went from no warm-up to... Exactly. And, and you can't exactly. warm-up during the show because you're No, I it, can't. So yeah, because suddenly yeah. I'm down in the splits going, ow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And talking of dance, as we know, you've danced all your life yeah. and, you you know, trained all your life yeah. for dancing. Was it ten, about ten years ago you did Dancing on Ice? I did. Have you been on the ice since? No. 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 Okay. No, that'll be no. Um, no, I mean, I did <laughs> I did Dancing on Ice, the very, very, very first series ever. So that was something like 2006 or seven, I think it was. And um, I, the great part about that was that I was actually the reserve. I wasn't in the main thing. So I didn't get all the sort of three-month training. I used to pop along to the ice rink every now and again. And, and then sometimes people would come up and say, oh, who's your trainer? And I'd laugh because i go, well, I can't really tell you because if I turned around and said Torval and Dean, it just sounds silly. <laughs> and so I just found the whole thing really silly and I just would laugh. And I, I remember saying to one of my friends came to watch me skating or at the very, very beginning when I Where's sort of thought, I'll try. Rink? Where was that? Well, at? then it was Guildford. So I went along and um, uh, the person said to me, they said, well, it'd be highly entertaining because you look like Bambi on ice. I went, well... <laughs> Because I just, I couldn't do it. And I remember actually going along to my sort of, one of my first sessions and John Barrowman was there because he was in it with me. And he was doing these sort of arabesques across the ice and going, ha, oh, like this, like fabulous. And I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't do that to save my life. And then the week before Christmas, and I was doing panto, they phoned me and they went, oh, you're in the show now. We go live on January the 6th. And I went, What? Ooh. So it was a it was a harsh catch up because I then was doing two shows a day, but going to the uh, in fact I was going to Slough at that point, Slough Ice Rink at sort of six o'clock every morning, and then going Ooh. on and doing the shows. But in a way, it was good because it, ignorance was bliss. I had no idea what I was meant to be doing, and in some respects, it was really liberating because I was able to turn around and say, "I don't know how to do this," uh, whereas. 
in my life, because I had always been in the, in the business and always trained as a youngster, it, it you didn't do that. Mm. Because it was, you know, you professional. You say, oh, I, I can do it. Yes, yes, I can do that. I can do that. And if I can't, I'll come find out. But you don't let people think you can't do something. You turn around, you know, I was of that generation where they always say you can do something. And then if you can't, go and learn. Um, but uh, I was able to literally, I mean, I remember the first time they said to me, right, so we're standing on the edge of the rink. Um, we want you to skate out to the middle and stop. And I literally turned around and went, I don't know how to do that. I can't even stand up on them. How do I do this? And, of course, with dancing, it was so difficult because I would get nervous. And, you know, if dancers are taught to stretch their legs, pull their legs up straight, very, very tight, and point your toes. You try and do that on ice and you literally go timber. Um, the whole, it's the absolute opposite. You know, you bend, your weight is at the back in your heels, you you flex your feet, your toes yeah, must touch the really ice. You can't really point the toe, because also if you pointed your toe, that, that your toe funny bit would stop you, wouldn't it? On yeah, you're the, on your toe on the, pick. You, you can see how much I just, know about yes, ice skating. But I know there's a funny bit at the front of the skate that you dig yeah. in and it would make you stop Literally. and fall Literally. over. Literally. I mean, I was sort of breaking the whole time. I just was like, <laughs> break! Um, so and even with lifts, you know, people would say to me, oh, yeah, but you've done lifts. And I go, well, yes, I have done lifts. I love being lifted. I would say, just lift me. But even that wasn't the same because when you're dancing, you don't have heavy boots on. No. So from having been a dancer where your head is the heaviest part and you adjust to that and you take off different, and you take off from a, from a floor, not moving, um, and uh, suddenly you're a barbell because you've got a very heavy skates on one end of your body and your head on the other <laughs> end of your body. So even that, the whole concept of it was completely different. So I, I did find it really hard, yeah. really hard. Anyway, you've not, not kept it up, though. No, That's I haven't kept it up because I then I did go back. Morning. Yeah, I went back to the lot for the very, very mm. last series of there and and I think I decided, yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that. It's too dangerous. <laughs> it's hard. Now, going back even further into your past, I, I okay. have to ask you about this. When you were 10... Yeah. You went to Broadway I did, yeah. to be to star in Gypsy with Angela Lansbury. I did. And did who went with you? How how did that work? Uh, what an extraordinary thing! Yeah, it was extraordinary. I mean, it that really is incredible. Yeah, it was. It really was. I so I was in the very very first show I ever did was Gone with the Wind at Drury Lane Theatre or Drury Lane. Uh, I was seven, and uh, fortunately it closed in time for me to audition for another show, which was Gypsy, which was coming up at the Piccadilly Theatre the following year. I say fortunately because I was on a three-year um, option to go back. I mean, that's seven aged, years old. I was age seven. Say, yeah, yeah. You know, it was ridiculous. I was tied into this. I only did two, three shows a week and was paid two pound fifty a performance. You know, it was one of those. But anyway. When I went in, uh, so I, I was put in um, in Gypsy. I played Baby June opposite Angela Lansbury when it was at the Piccadilly Theatre. It was absolutely wonderful. I was only in the show for six weeks because of children's restrictions, mm. which is why I was only doing three shows a week on Gone with the Wind. On Gypsy, they decided to do it differently and they would have the kids do their whole run of six weeks and then they would get another team in. So, you know, they, they, mm. they still do it in a way. They'll have three teams of kids um, for shows these days but um, you have to work with, with the limitations and there were very strict regulations at that point which have now changed 
Um, so I left after six weeks, was absolutely mortified, couldn't bear the fact that I was leaving because I loved it so much. And on that last night, the company manager and the producers uh, called my parents into the office and said, would they consider me going to New York with the show in America on a tour um, when it goes the following year? And my parents literally thought they were being nice and was like, oh, isn't that lovely? How sweet. Thank you so much. Goodbye. And that was it. Uh, and they meant it. I'm going to cut a very, very long story short, which involved going to Bow Street Magistrates Court and I was made a ward of court and all these things. Um, and uh, and I went. My mum came with me. She'd never been past Bogner. <laughs> she was totally homesick what? the entire time until we came back. And oh, she was no. like, oh, I don't think I want to be back here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we toured. I went to 13 different cities. But I absolutely adored it. I adored it. It, it had such a profound effect on me, I think. Not only the travelling, not only being with different people, because I was a very, very quiet child and all these kids were very gregarious. Um, and also, But also playing that role and also being in a company of extremely excellent people led by Angela Lansbury, who is incredible both on stage and off. I was directed by Arthur Lawrence, who wrote um, Gypsy, who also wrote West Side Story. Uh, the way we were, so many other things. Um, Stephen Sondheim, Julie Stein, all these people. And I remember it as well. It was at a time in my life where I was like a sponge. And I remembered mm. it and had, and it, had it, it definitely had a profound effect on me. And I literally went for that year and when the show closed, I came home. That was it. Wow. Amazing. Mm. I just, I, I can't imagine what, how exciting that would be for a 10-year-old. I mean, it, was. it would just be the most... Like a dream, really. It was. Uh, and but it was very serious as well. You know, we were... I remember that we were... We, we all had our sort of rehearsals and note sessions with everybody, with the whole company, and we were called the small adults mm -hmm. uh, and were treated as such and expected to behave that way. We were not kids and children, you know, mm -hmm. we were not separated. And we were expected to behave exactly in a professional manner. Uh, but, you know, very looked after in, in many respects. But it was tough. You know, I did 413 performances on the trot. Yeah, that's 10. it. You don't miss it. Yeah. You don't miss. You didn't. You know, Angela was never off. I was never off. We never had any mics either. We didn't have any body mics. Well, those like that. were the days. No, yeah. I know. I know. Seventies. Now, yeah. Much more recently, EastEnders. Yeah. What a hit you made of doing that one. Thank you. That yeah. was. I mean, yeah, I it was great. I don't watch EastEnders all the time, but I yeah. saw a fair amount of yeah. you doing it and properly. Properly good, but I mean a lovely part to play. Yes, I mean, I mean meaty. It's funny because you... I was, I was, um, I mean, it came completely out of the blue. I was actually at the Savoy Theatre where I am now doing uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and uh, I remember they did a week on EastEnders of live episodes. Yes, I remember that. Uh, the partner of one of the. Um, actors in EastEnders was in the show with me and kept saying, oh, there's this week of live episodes, it's completely mad, they're all going insane. And so we were watching it avidly in between, you know, I'd run up to the dressing room and watch bits, go, oh, this is amazing. Um, and I sort of through, knew through them, I knew the producer, Dominic Treadwell Collins, I'd never met him in person, but we'd sort of had, and I don't know whether that just triggered off a, a, a thought or whatever, but I got this, this um, call saying, would I pop in for this character? who um, was very much actually sort of a Barbara Windsor-type character. And I said, well, I'm not really that in many respects. But anyway, I went in and I read a couple of scenes, one of which was just hysterically funny, which was written by Darren Little, who writes a lot for Enders and does a lot of comedy. And he also was at that time was writing Towie. So it, it, was, <laughs> it was very re reflective of that and a very serious scene. And then I got, uh, they asked me if I'd go and do eight episodes, which ended up being three and a half years. 
Um, but I, 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 I really enjoyed it. It was very, very different. It's an, it's an incredible uh, machine. I was always in, in awe of how it works because the amount of high-quality uh, um, material that they put out, you know, two hours a week they have mm. to put out on TV in very, very short period of time. And the way everyone works is is incredible. You know, it is incredible how they, they put it out. So you left EastEnders. Yes. In the back but of the your, cab. But yes, in the back of... Well, crucially... <laughs> I got a cab in to the Dubai. Back of, in the back of a cab. <laughs> crucially, they're for still alive, Bonnie. I am still alive. As they're Carmel. F- yes, yes, as Carmel. As Carmel. Um, uh, so is the door is presumably open that you could I guess so. I back. saw somebody the other day, I saw one of the writers, and he said, oh, you're on the end of the phone today. And I went, oh, am I? <laughs> apparently, because oh, my oh, son you? is still there. Apparently I'm, yes, apparently I'm on the end of the phone. They should pay you for so that. I said, oh, I'm on the end of the phone, am I? Yes, apparently, apparently Kush is calling me uh, to talk to me. So apparently, there you go. I'm in. I'm in Dubai on a very long distance phone call. Um, yes, I mean you never know. You, you never ever know what's going on in those yeah. things. So, uh, but then we. So we talked about Forty Second Street, which happened yeah. after that, and then and now what you're doing nine to five. And I think the, the the point is really, is that you were a child star. Everybody knew you were a child star, and yeah. there were. And an incredibly talented one that had trained as well. You know, yes, it wasn't I like it wasn't just like I didn't oh, want I'm to be famous. I'm just a cute face. No, you know, I didn't want that. to be famous. I wanted. I liked the job. Yeah, and that's the craft. always been yeah. really, really clear. And I suppose maybe you've just answered my question, which is why actually very few people make the transition mm. from the child mm. star to the adult mm. star. And mm. now, I mean, especially with something like EastEnders, you've got a whole. Millions of people who wouldn't have known no, you as I a know. child star at all, know. but know you as the person from EastEnders. Yeah. To a completely different yeah. fame. But, I mean, do you think there's a key other... Is it just that you trained and you're bloody good at what you did? Is I don't it just know. that? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, you know, I think I've been very, very lucky that opportunity has been there. And then also, yeah, I work hard. I do... I, I, do try and do my job the best I can do. I always try and do the best I can do. Um, and that seems to appeal. I don't know, it seems to have kept me going this long. I don't really have, I don't have the magic answer. I don't think there is one. I think it's different for everyone. Um, I know that when I when I started, I didn't, I, I loved the job. I didn't want to be famous. And the, I know it comes with it and I appreciate that. And the thing I like is meeting people. I love meeting people, you know, particularly with the East Enders thing. I feel very privileged that people come up to me and will pour their hearts out to me. And I think that is something I feel honoured to to feel that people can come and, and talk to me. Mm. I can't answer the question. I can't help them. I'm not that person. But to think that they believe that. And one of the things that somebody said to me as well, you know, I, sometimes, as you say, you know, a lot of people don't know me because of, of they know me as East Enders and then their grandma will say, oh, I remember when she did Scream and Scream. My heart does sink a bit, a little bit, because I feel so um, mixed about that because I loved doing Just William and I played Violet Elizabeth Bott and Diana Dawes was my mother and it was just, it was like, I always called it the junior upstairs, downstairs because it was the same team that, that put that on and it was very British, old-fashioned period sort of comedy drama. And I always thought that the character I played was very funny. I always thought I played her sort of comedically. Um, and it was almost a double-edged sword because 
it was lovely that people believed that I was convincing and also it was terrible that people believed I was convincing because they thought that <laughs> was they me. Thought you were really and so like that was that. why I was I just know. so awful. And yeah. the one thing that I would change now, <laughs> the only thing I regretted ever was the fact that Richmore Crompton in the Just William books wrote that Violet Elizabeth had short blonde curly hair and I wish that I had had a wig and had short blonde curly hair that I could have taken off and then my own hair being red curly would have been me and not that character because I had red curly hair and so I would walk around and people think that was me. So that's the only thing I kind of regret was that I couldn't take her off and go, yes, I was playing that character, you know, whatever. But who knows at the time, I wasn't thinking of it as this sort of long-term career. But I just, I still like what I do. I still enjoy the craft of it. I still enjoy uh, people enjoying it. I still enjoy that whole process. I still enjoy, and, and I'm so lucky to enjoy what I do of any job you know and that I get the variety and you never know what's around the corner um well, and I got also a, was very normal you've got a daughter I have a daughter is she she's 18 yeah 18 18 18 how did she get to 18 okay. you've got Isn't a young brilliant. woman at home um I know. who is following in her mother's footsteps well or no not, she's making or... her own footsteps okay. you see, I always like to think she's making her own footprints and um as we all do um, and I think, yeah, you see, I didn't, although my family were all in the business, my great aunt was a dancer with Pavlova's company and things like that, it wasn't the same sort of fame game as it is now. It wasn't the same. I didn't have my family in a backpack on my back. Mm-hmm. And I do worry about that for her. I do say to her, you know, you don't don't feel you need to do it for anyone other than you. If you need to do this, then do it. If you don't need to do it, but you think I might as well, don't, don't do it. Don't do it, no. Because it's too hard. Mm-hmm. The business is too is too cruel mm. and too hard. You have to like it enough to put up with the horrible bits. And she at the moment seems to want to do it. She's doing a B-Tech in musical theatre and I'm learning a lot about <laughs> stuff I never knew. <laughs> well, listen, I see those arts ed kids when they're training because yep. they're up the road from me. Yep. By golly, they're good. They're so much better than That's anybody was when we were That's kids. So we were like, hey, what well, you can sing, act, and dance. Yeah, well, we were, it. and you but have never, to be able to. But do that. You see, we never had that, did no, we? I mean, no, we, didn't we didn't have that. We didn't have courses. You didn't I have text in one, musical theatre. No, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other. We did what we did, thought was right, and went to see shows and thought, well, I'll hmm. try and do that. Now, I'm going to ask. I saw this thing on Twitter, oh, gosh, and I what? thought that makes more sense than I've. Than most things on Twitter. Right. <laughs> which was Matthew Bourne suggesting, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yes. But you should so be the, the next judge on Strictly. You absolutely so should. But, well, and so he should, because you are absolutely perfectly qualified for I love this. Strictly. I love Strictly. And I've so always does he. loved it. So does he. Yes, I know and he does. Yes, we've seen, we've actually been fan, to it together. And it, right, OK. Well, he's a big fan he's and he adorable. wants you to do it and he's quite oh. right. Well, I, I might know. start a petition. Who knows? Who knows? I, I think Strictly is a fabulous show, um, not only because of you know, the dance element, but I love the fact that it's Saturday night telly, like they used to be, but done really well, that, uh, you know, all the all the um, different departments are now expert in what they do. Mm. Hair, makeup, cameras, um, well, dance itself, but also all those uh, sound, you know, the grams, they're all, they know how to, there's music, there's live music on telly on a Saturday mm-hmm. night with a fabulous live band. All those sorts of things that I think Strictly is so great about and the comp- competitive element and you see people grow, you see people 
quiver. It's the vulnerability factor as and well. And it's not unkind, which is why no. I think people like it. I mean, all right, we have Craig doing his, you know, of course, mean to people, but it's not in its essence. It is not an unkind show. No, I, and I think people like that. Yeah, and they like to see people try to do something out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. We all we all favour somebody, don't we? We see them and we and we think. You know, no, they're not the best in the world, but boy, isn't it lovely to see them um, blossom? Mm. You see people blossom, and you don't do you? really, Literally. and that's great and when they you s- see people really improve. Yeah. And they we start off saying, you know, oh, I'm not going to wear sequins, I'm not going to have a fake tan, and but about three week three, they've got that <laughs> fake tan, they've got that sparkles on, and it's fun. But um, I, I have no idea. I would, um, I love the show, but I'm I'm not a ballroom person. So I would have to sort of no, you know, no, but neither was Darcy Bustle. Exactly, exactly. She was a ballet but person. I have no idea which which and I which think you have enough experience of the who knows. But anyway, but I love the show anyway. Whether yeah. I'm, right, two very quick questions <laughs> now. Um, is there? I mean, as I said, your CV on its new role is running out yes. of our studio. But is there any part that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Oh, loads still, loads, and I've never been able to say what. Because I've never done that as a as a person. I've never turned around and said, I want to do this part by the time I'm saying so. I want to do this part. Because I often think that uh, whatever fate delivers is generally a better idea because it's more challenging to me than I would have thought of myself. You tend to think of things that you think are in your comfort zone. And I think it's usually better to be thrown something that isn't. Very good answer. I like <laughs> that. Okay, you might say the same about my next question, okay. which is, right, you've got one song. You're on the stage of the Palladium. There's a 40-piece orchestra behind you. What are you singing? Oh, Lord, you can't do that to no, me. I've just done it. Oh, oh Lordy. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, okay, right, just randomly, Feeling yeah. Good, Nina Simone. Oh. It actually was written by Leslie Brickus. And I'm feeling good. I would just do that. Okay. Just to, because it's a fantastic... If you said it was a 40-piece orchestra mm. on the stage, uh, wow, they would sound great. And it's also... I think it's a very good message about saying, just look at the world. Mm-hmm. We're actually okay. I'm feeling good. There you go. <laughs> Random. Brilliant. Just literally pulled that out of my head. Bonnie, no thank you so much. Thank for you. For coming in. Uh, you've oh, got, so you've good been to coming, talk to you. You've squeezed it in before your show tonight. Right. Go and do the splits like the... <laughs> I can't believe you do that. It's silly, isn't but it? Thank it's just you. silly. It's been lovely to talk to you. It really and you, has. Alice, thank always. You. Thank you. Thank you. That was Bonnie Langford who came into the studio to talk to me. And if you enjoyed that, well, you can rate it online. Download the rest of the series so that you'll get an alert when it comes into your inbox. Anyway, we'll see you next week.